You may be seated at this time. It's an honor to uh, introduce myself here today as I uh, teach Sunday school. All righty. So today I'm going to be, it's actually uh, the beginning of a series, but it's going to be a general overview of what I'm going to be talking about in our college and career class, but I think it'll it'll be a good word here today. Amen. Our text is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. They don't know about this, so if you have your Bible. Wow, that's quick. It says, be ye followers, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. In Jesus' name, let's pray, let's pray real quick before we get started. Father, I pray that, Lord, you'd bless my mind, touch my mind, bless this word. I pray that you would speak into this place, Father. Help us to grow and understand you at a deeper level here today. We give you praise and thanks in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start off by reading a little illustration here. In, in 1631, Robert Barker and Martin Lucas decided to publish a reprint of the King James Bible. They wanted their Bible to join the ranks of the Breaches Bible, the Wycliffe Bible, the Anglo-Saxon Bible, and all the other major translations of the day. And in a way, they did. Their version of the Bible is one of the most sought-after and well-known translations ever made. As of 2010, a copy of the Barker Lucas Bible was for sale online, and it was priced at $89,500 for that Bible. But the collectors, they don't call it the Barker Lucas Bible. Instead, they call it the Wicked Bible. And here's why. How many of you ever heard of the Wicked Bible? In Exodus 2014, within the Ten Commandments, the word not is left out of the sentence. So where it says, thou shalt not commit adultery, in their version, it was changed to thou shalt commit adultery. It's amazing that that one word could do all of that. Just that one word was left out. Just the slightest detail changed everything. It's in one item in the wrong slot, it just throws everything off. It's pretty amazing. And it's the same way with truth. Many times, truth relies on the tiniest of details. I like how the, the writers of Hebrews puts it in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The writer of Hebrews, he hits the nail on the head. He says that we have to have faith to please God. But first, the first part of faith is believing that God exists in the beginning. The first part of that whole thing is believing that, that he is. And so the element of truth here relies on just the single little detail. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And so throughout this lesson, we're going to be looking at the concept of honesty. Honesty. If I were to ask you, what honesty means, nine out of ten 
of you would probably say, honesty just means telling the truth. And that's usually our narrow, keep it in the box definition of honesty. But I want to kind of explore a little bit about what the Bible uh, concept of honesty is. So if I, if I were to ask you, how many of you uh, believe the concept of honesty is found in the scripture? It's in there, isn't it? Well, we're supposed to, uh, not supposed to bear false witness. We're to speak the truth in love. And, and those are aspects of honesty. But here's the thing. The word honest or honesty, it actually doesn't exist in the ancient Hebrew. I tried it. I looked it up. And it wasn't there. The word honest or honesty. That's right. <laughs> There's no ancient Hebrew word for honest. And let me kind of tell you a little bit uh, why. The word that we translate as honest is, is just the word truth in the Old Testament. In Hebrew, the word honesty is, it is derived from the word truth. Uh, so I guess in Hebrew, truth is, is truth is truth. There's no other way of saying it. It is true. And here's some cool things. Um, I actually took a little bit of Hebrew, and, um, but I was reading over this, and I thought this was pretty interesting. The Hebrew word for truth is emet. Emet is made up of three Hebrew letters. Aleph, or the letter A. Mem, or the letter M. And Tav, the letter T. So Aleph, Mem, and Tav are the first, middle, and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. thought that was pretty interesting, right? So the rabbis took that and incorporated into their definition of the word truth. They say that in order for something to be true, it must be totally true. Truth has to be, or it has to exist in the beginning, like a left. It has to exist in the middle, like mem. And it has to exist in the end, like tav. In order for something to be true, it has to be true from the middle, from the beginning to the middle to the end. It has to be true throughout. I thought that was pretty cool. That's a pretty, pretty neat thing. That goes way beyond our narrow definition of honesty. According to the biblical concept of honesty, it's got to be incorporated. Truth has to be incorporated in everything. Everything we say, everything that we think, and everything that we are. We're true from the middle from the beginning to the middle to the end. That, that word honesty, it's much bigger than just, oh, yeah, you got to tell the truth. It's supposed to be a part of us. It's supposed to be in us. It's supposed to be true all throughout if we are to be honest. And that goes beyond just telling the truth. That's moving into the realm of words like integrity and character or ethics, morality, in fact, the, the dictionary.com, uh, it defines the word honest as honorable in principles, intentions and actions, upright and fair, showing uprightness and fairness, sincere, frank, genuine, or unadulterated. And that sounds a lot like the biblical definition of the word honesty. 
And so as we progress through this lesson, and actually in our college and career class, we're going to, as we progress through the series, uh, we're going to look at uh, four aspects of this honesty. We'll be looking at accuracy, integrity, credibility, faithfulness. But before I go any further into that, I want to kind of lay a little bit of groundwork. Are you guys with me? Am I lulling you to sleep? Sorry, I'll try to change my voice up a little bit because I know sometimes, especially on a Sunday morning, it can be, it can be hard to stay focused. <clears throat> so uh, we need to ask ourselves, why do we need to be honest before we go any further? Yes, this is honesty. Yes, I know that it's truth. And, and, but you ask yourself, well, why do I need to be honest? And, and what's the biblical basis of this honesty? And uh, really, what it comes down to is God, godliness. And we're going to look at the, uh, our text, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writes that we are called to be followers of God. And that word followers means imitators of God. We are to be imitators of God. So it's interesting that in the Gospels, at the one point in his ministry, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. And uh, we've heard that scripture before, right? I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And we figure Jesus is God in the flesh. And that's not really a radical of an idea. But then Jesus takes it a step further. And he says, ye are the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. A city on a hill, uh, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So... Jesus is the light of the world. But then he says, ye are the light of the world. That's a pretty cool thing. So, we go, it goes on to say that, uh, oh, and the reasons that we're called to be lights to the world is because, again, we are to be imitators of God. We are to be followers of God. We are to be like him. We are supposed to be the representation of him to the world. So, when it's comes time for us well why do we have to be honest well he is honest god is honest jesus said that he was the light of the world but you're going to be the light of the world so we are to be like him and when we align ourselves with christ when we walk in his truth and when we apply the principles of the word of god to our lives we become the light to the world amen it's a pretty cool little thing we become an embodiment of truth People actually who may never crack a Bible in their life will measure right and wrong by how you act and what you say. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 2 that we are living epistles read of all men. That's a pretty cool thing. And you know, I thought about it. That's, that's so true because a lot of times people will look at you and you will be the example to the world. And so we are the imitators, the followers of Christ, and therefore we are reflecting godliness to this world. Honesty is more than just saying the right thing, but it's also meaning the right thing. It's the way, it's, from, it's the truth from the beginning to the middle to the end. It should be every part of who we are, amen? Um, Jesus is the truth. And so for the, the first reason we must live honestly is that because Jesus is truth. We read in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. So notice that what it says here. He doesn't just say, I am a way, I am a truth or a life. Uh, he doesn't say that there's many options and I'm just one of the good ones. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He's the only way, right? He is life. And in case anyone had any doubts about what he was saying, he couples it with the next phrase and says, no man comes into the Father but by me. Jesus wasn't just a truth. He was the truth. He was the embodiment of truth. In fact, John 1.14 says the word was made flesh. That word, Jesus, truth, was made flesh. He is the embodiment of truth. So if Jesus embodied truth and we're imitators of Christ, our lives should embody truth. Amen? We are to be like him. We are to be the embodiment of truth to this world. That's a powerful thing. The next thing, number two, God cannot lie. The second reason we are to be or we should live honestly is that God cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? God can't lie. God is not a liar. God is the embodiment of truth. He is truth. In fact, truth is so closely tied uh, to God that God cannot lie. If God were to say red is blue, red would become blue. That's, that's pretty serious. Uh, you can look at this in, in creation. One bumper sticker actually says it this way. Uh, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said it and bang, it happened. I don't know if you've ever read that before. Romans chapter 4 verse 17 says, uh, God calleth those things which be not as though they were. And we see this happen all throughout uh, the first chapters of Genesis when God creates the world. Uh, all throughout this Genesis account, God says there's light and light appears. God says there's land and then land appears. God says there's animals and animals appear. And so one reason for that is because God cannot lie. And as soon as he speaks it, it's true. It's going to happen. That's a pretty cool thing. God says it, it happens. He's, he cannot lie. And that's why it's not enough to think of honesty as just telling the truth or doing the right thing. It goes beyond that. It's a matter of having uh, truth so ingrained in us that it's a part of us. In fact, that brings us to our final point here today. Number three, Satan is the father of lies. The third reason we should live honestly is that Satan is the father of all lies. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, Ye are the father, ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So if you look at the context here, Jesus starts off speaking to the religious leaders. But then by this point in the chapter, Jesus has opened the floor and he's speaking to the Jewish people as a whole. Basically, Jesus is pointing out that Israel believed that they were a holy people. They claimed that they were special because Abraham was their father. And yes, this, it's true. The Jews are God's chosen people. But in this verse, Jesus is hitting on something a little bit deeper. He's saying that they may be Abraham's sons and daughters genetically, but spiritually, they were Satan's children. They've got Abraham's genes and Satan's attitude. In other words, they're, they're more like Satan than Abraham. Because instead of being like Abraham and following God, they were, they were acting like and being like Satan and rebelling against him. Which is interesting because remember the language we read in Paul, uh, uh, in Ephesians, that Paul said it, chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God or imitators of God as dear children. As dear children, children imitate their role models. That means if Satan is the father of lies as imitators of God, we should stay as far away from it as we can. Uh, no matter where we are in life or what we're doing, we should be imitators of God. Whether we're filing our taxes, whether we're selling our car, whether we're filling out our, our credit application or, or asked to give a character reference, we're given too much change at a store, whatever the case may be. We're called to be imitators of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're supposed to follow after him. Honesty is not just this thing that we, uh, it's not just a matter of, oh, yes, I said the right thing. It's being the right thing. It's reflecting the right thing. It's showing the right thing from the beginning to the middle and to the end. A lot of times we just kind of, we can say the, the truth. We can go out there and um, do the right thing. But you ever, you ever kind of manipulate? That comes into, I mean, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes we can say the right thing but leave out a whole lot of other stuff. We can manipulate. We can do things on the slide that maybe nobody knows but you and God. This honesty, this truth, this being like God through and through is a lot more than just uh, following in the outside. It's a lot more kind of like what the Jewish people were saying. They, uh, they may have looked the part on the outside. They may have been speaking the truth. And they may have been following the letter of the law, but they were not getting the spirit of the law. It's a lot more than just following the rules. It's understanding what it means, and it's applying it. It's living it. And this is something that I think hits everybody because it's very easy to just kind of defer to something else rather than face it with truth. It's sometimes very easy for us to manipulate around a situation rather than just go right ahead and, and live it truly and, and fess up or own up or be the way that we're supposed to be and, and reflect. Because, you know, 
whether we're at work or at school or wherever we may be, people really are looking at us. People are looking at and watching. And sometimes we're not even aware of the fact that you are absolutely affecting somebody life, somebody's life. Did, I mean, I, I know that sometimes at work, and I've had it, maybe you've had a testimony before, that maybe somebody uh, around you was being affected. And, and come to find out, somebody says that, you know, there's just something about you. Or that thing that you did, it hit really impacted me. When you went over there and, and it looked bad and people were ganging up on you and you stuck to what was right and you did the right thing, that so affected me. Has anybody ever experienced that before? Doing the right thing, being honest and true through and through. Talk about reflecting godliness. Talk about reflecting holiness. And that's really this big part of our relationship with God. It's no longer just us following the rules and, and just connecting the dots and doing what we're told, but it's understanding and applying this to our life. Amen? I know a lot of times we just, it's just easier to just, you know, do what affects us and benefits us sometimes. And sometimes it's difficult to tell the truth because of the repercussions. But in the end, it affects a lot more usually than we think. It, the, the answers that we give can affect a lot more than what we think. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're called to be imitators of God. We should be true from the beginning to the middle to the end because we're called to be lights to our world. Amen. Amen. I know um, as uh, in my life and at my, my work, at my job, you know, I'm uh, confronted with all kinds of opportunities, and you might be able to as well to kind of skirt around things, to take the, the, the easy route. And, uh, and sometimes it's hard to kind of stand up for what you believe is true and right. But I have found that sometimes, even though it may not be comfortable, even though it might not be convenient, standing for the word of God not only helps you, or not only helps them, but it also helps you. Because there's something about it. It's like the rubber meets the road. And I think all of us, a lot of times, we're afraid. We're afraid to kind of step out and stand for something true to stand for the truth. And, you know, even with faith, like that scripture read, we must first believe that he is. And I was reading that scripture before. We must first believe that he is. You know, we're talking about faith. But it's important, if we really believe in God, if we really believe and have an understanding of how powerful he is, how mighty he is, how he holds the whole universe in his hands, how he holds us in the palm of his hand and he knows every little detail if we really believe that i think that that would change some some of the things that we do i think that if we really first believe and that's going to affect our faith because if i actually believe that god almighty is in control if i believe that he is and he exists i think it'll change the way that i do certain things i think it'll change the way that i act and the way that i represent if I truly believe in God more so than the media, more so than the law, more so than anything else, if I believe in God, 
I believe that he is, it will change the way that I represent Christianity to this world. It will not just be me reflecting a religion. It will not just be me showing the world some religious ideas. It would be me reflecting godliness. To some people, just being honest and being true, like, like I read earlier, may be the only way that people get to know and to see a glimpse of who God is in this crazy, messed up world. Amen. It goes a lot further. And so, you know, I guess as, you know, I've been reading this and kind of studying it, it's something that I, I, we all have to kind of think about today in this day and age. There's so many other things that get our attention that we can believe in. We can believe in all kinds of things. And sometimes I think that we might put other beliefs ahead of our belief in God, that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all things. I think sometimes we forget that God is able to deliver us. I think sometimes we forget that God actually loves us and that he cares about us and that he has a plan for our lives. I think sometimes we forget and we get overwhelmed by all of the other garbage going on in our life that God is still moving. He's still blessing. He's still healing. He's still bringing truth into people's lives. He's still uh, saving the lost. He's still reaching into those parts of the world that nobody else knows about or cares about. God is still living and moving and breathing. I think what I'm trying to say is it's coming to a point where we have to remember and we have to first believe that he is. He is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And in this day and age, if we do not diligently seek after him, we will miss out on him. Because there are other things that are happening all around us. Amen. I, I don't know if anyone else has ever sensed this, what's going on in this world. There's so many things pulling at you and I. N now more than ever, things that are trying to kill truth in our life. There are lies and deceptions that are seeping into our jobs and seeping into the mindset of uh, our society and, and seeking it to destroy us. And now more than ever, we need to get a hold and diligently seek after what it is that we truly believe in. Because if we don't, we will fall for lies. We will, we will trip and fall and we will fall for a lie because we've not been diligently seeking after him. We have not been looking to the hills from whence our, cometh our help. We would not keep our eyes on him. And if we don't, then we're going to miss out on what God is saying and doing in this day and age. Amen. I think we need to continue to look at God and remember that he's still in charge. The world, hey, listen, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Although you and I might be going through some storms, God is still good. Amen. It don't matter what kind of garbage that you might be in. God is still true. The same method, it works. We got to come to him. We got to know who he is. We got to search to have a relationship with him. And he is going to continue to blow your mind. I believe it. Does anybody believe that? Why don't we go ahead and clap our hands for just a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's something about it. There's something about the time that we spend with him. There's something about putting that truth within us. There's something about seeking after him that fuels that fire for us to live. Because you and I, if in, in this day and age, 
it, it can become troublesome if we only have partial truth, if we only have a little bit. If we're trying to live in the middle of two worlds, it gets overwhelming and depressing and hard and sad. And if we kind of are we're trying to live in the world and with the principles of the world, but yet we, we know that we should live for God and it gets overwhelming and hard and heavy and, and then comes all kinds of confusion and deception and, and feelings and emotions and garbage that leads us away from what really matters. We need to seek after God. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to read his word. We need to get that truth in us and then life will continue on. He's going to give us the peace and the strength to make it. I believe it. I think that, yes, we might be going through some things, but there is nothing that is impossible for God. Storms come and storms go. There's no th new thing under the sun. So we need to just remember that sometimes it gets rough, it gets hard, it gets tough. God's still good. He's going to make a way. Just keep looking at him. God's going to give you the peace that passes all understanding. He's going to give you the strength to overcome. He's going to help you conquer whatever mountain is coming against you. It doesn't matter what it is. God is able. And we need to keep that, that faith. It's going to start with the belief that he is. Let's remember who he is. Amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand. And then just before we leave, I want us to just take a few moments and just call on the name of Jesus. He is still good. He, this is still working in this day and age. Coming to him, despite all of the other options that we might have in this world, in this day, Coming to him is the right way, is the true way, and it works every time. So why don't we lift our voice to him for just a few moments before we start the reg this, this next service. In Jesus' name, God, I need you, Father, right now. I thank you, Lord, for your truth and for your life. God, I thank you that you still work. God, you're still working in our life. God, I thank you, Father, for the, the healing power of your word, the overcoming life that you've given us access to. I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to uplift and strengthen every man and woman in this room, that when we would leave here today, we would go walking in faith, knowing that, Lord, you are more than able, that you're still working, that your spirit is with us, that, God, you can destroy every obstacle that comes against us. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for this truth. And I pray that we would continue, Father, no matter what comes against us, to continue to trust in you. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I want to go ahead and invite you. Um, if you guys want, you can uh, greet one another. And uh, I want us just to open up if you want a, a time of prayer before we begin our 11 o'clock service. God bless you. Thank you.